Welcome back, wonderful, wonderful listeners to yet another episode of Seaweed Brain, a Percy Jackson podcast. It is Tuesday, September 19th. We are exactly one week out from PJ06, otherwise known as Percy Jackson and the Olympians, a chalice of the gods. And today we have a little predictions episode for y'all. So stick around. Content warning, this episode contains brief mention of sexual violence found in ancient Greek myth. Listener discretion is advised. Oh, it's a two-manner today. It's just Erica and Carter. (laughs) Isn't that fun? Wow. And it's been a brutally exhausting day within a brutally exhausting week as lovers of Percy Jackson and supporters of labor unions. Yeah. Labor's back. Shout out to SAG-AFTRA. Shout out to WGA. The strikes are still happening, and this is when it's getting really tough. We've been striking for a while. It's the end of the summer. We're not playing games. We got to stay strong, everybody. Reminder that we're not, uh, yeah, we're not going to do breakdowns of trailers or anything like that until (laughs) the strikes are done. Yes. Um, Organized labor works, and it's organized labor season in America. It's not just, it's not just WGA. It's like, it's not just Hollywood. Auto workers, it's graduate students, it's hotel workers, it's flight attendants, it's pilots, trains, strike season. Yeah. That being said, get that money, everybody get, get, get your bag, get your royalties, secure respect in your workplace. All that being said, let's talk about something where we can talk about that. We are excited to talk about that really snuck up on us so fast. (laughs) The reason we're recording at 10, 10 PM Tuesday night, like literally less than 12 hours before I have to release this episode is because this really <laughs> snuck up on us. Like literally this book comes out in a week, Chalice of the Gods. We're going to lay the groundwork in case you aren't really exactly sure what's going on because you've been reading The Sun and the Star all summer like we have. We're going to talk about our own experience um, with the premise of this book in our lives. And then we're going to read off the leaked chapter titles that were leaked by Rick himself. So if you want like zero, zero spoilers before you go into the book, you can pause there. But also the chapter titles are like on the second. They will have, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They'll have nothing to do with the plot in true Rick fashion. Because what? Because why? Because this is PJ06. And this is um, all information, I'll cite my sources, that I am ripping straight from Rick's blog post on October 18th, 2022, which we'll link in our show notes. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But we've talked about before on the show, in an effort to ensure the... um, struck currently struck work of the Disney Plus show um to ensure its green lighted success green lit success um Rick was trying to gather supplementary materials that he thought might be useful in in convincing Disney execs that this show would be successful um he ended up not needing to present those materials as the story goes but he had this idea for a potential Percy Jackson book Here is the direct quote from the article. Flash forward to 2022 when we got the green light to begin filming. My friends at Disney Publishing came to me and said, Hey, Rick, what can we publish that will help us take advantage of the new interest in Percy when the TV show comes out? We talked about all manner of things, but I didn't want to publish something just to publish something. I wanted it to be a book you all might actually love. A kind of thank you for sticking with me all those years as you waited for a better PJO adaptation. And so I said, you know what? I happen to have an outline for a new Percy book. It's called The Chalice of the Gods. And here we are. The novel unfolds during Percy's senior year at Alternative High School in New York after the action of the Heroes of Olympus, but before the Trials of Apollo. This Mm -hmm. time around, Percy is not worried about saving the world. He has a much harder quest, getting into college. 
New Rome University requires recommendation letters from three gods, which means, yep, you guessed it, Percy has to run quests to get the letters. That sound you hear is Percy screaming into his pillow in frustration. First quest, the cupbearer of the gods, Ganymede, is missing his chalice. Not only is this embarrassing, it's also a potential disaster, since any mortal who happens to drink from the cup will gain immortality. Percy, Annabeth, and Grover have to find that chalice and return it to Ganymede before anyone realizes he lost it. These gods, they really need GPS tags on their magic items, don't they? End quote. All right, was that enough setup? (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the right amount of setup. Do you want to read from this too? I think this is valuable information also that we probably mm. have covered at some point on the podcast. But Yeah, you can um, read this section from later in the article. context. Um, Rick includes a Q&A also in the article. And the two things that are probably most worth highlighting is number one, Rick says, quote, no, middle grade sensibility is where I live, friends. Which is, I think, important to stake out as a non-arbitrary choice. Percy is like 17, 18 in this book, but still middle grade. We're still sticking with the the tenor and conventions of the original books. And this question that's right underneath that previous one is, um, will we see insert your favorite character in this book? Which I think is an important question because of the timing of where this book lands, right? Jason. After Hero of Olympus, yeah, before, Tyrant, <laughs> before not Tyrant's Tomb, yes, before Tyrant's Tomb, but before Trials of Apollo, the one great and powerful main character death, you know, not including... Luke, not including Bianca, you know, all that stuff. Um, Crest. Not including Zoe. Crest Bandos. Will Crest Bandos be present <laughs> in the Tales of the Gods? <laughs> anyway, people were like, is Jason going to be around? Like, is Jason going to be in the Tales of the Gods? Um, there's no way. Uh, Rick said, <laughs> um, this is meant to be a story about the original trio, Percy, Annabeth, and Grover. So most of the story revolves around them. You may hear little hints about what is going on with the other characters in Percy's universe, but for the most part, it's just the OG crew. Sick. What I want to hear is Annabeth being like, yeah, I talked to Piper on the phone the other day. Um, <laughs> she's thinking of ending things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Piper and I had a long conversation about what Over we really brunch. want and what, what comes from society and media and i think you know she's going through a lot of evolution very quickly can you imagine (laughs) i would literally like i think i would i would uh self-actualize and ascend to another like (laughs) enlightened plane if that happened in this book (laughs) oh piper beth it's but it's time to bring piper beth back (laughs) Uh, well yeah that's the setup i mean the real like the one big like prediction question i would say other than like is jason gonna be in the book which i think the answer is a clear no there is who stole the freaking chalice yes wouldn't it be funny if it was like i mean luke's dead but you know if it was like the lightning thief all (laughs) over again super lightning thief throwback yeah where everyone thinks it's percy and then it's in his bag the whole time and (gasps) oh that would be so fun it would be like a recurring bit Percy would be so mad. <laughs> Except this time, instead of Luke, this is this is how we actually get to the rear universe of madness, y'all. Instead of Luke, oh my God, it's, it's Luke, but Norse. <laughs> so a blonde person? <laughs> From Boston? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
They do have those there, I'm, I'm told. They, yeah. Um, oh, blonde people yeah. are in Boston. Blonde people are in Boston, in real Rick life and everything. I was right about that. I saw this tweet. It was like a picture of the map of Northern Europe. And the caption was like, wow, this is the best Magnus Chase fan art I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I miss Magnus Chase. Yeah. Wouldn't it be so funny if My prediction is that real? Alex Fierro um, stole the chalice <laughs> of the gods. Thus... <laughs> Embarking us on the route of Rosa Madness. Well, that, wait, like that a, wouldn't necessarily be weird in verse, though, because they already we know that they know each other. It would who's have to a be steal. Oh, that's true. They have already interacted. And like they've also met the Canes already, so that also would not be giving us multiverse of madness. It would have to be like specifically, like a villain crossing streams. You know, like mm. and specifically probably a villain that we haven't vanquished yet. Right. We're vanquishing left and right though. So we've been vanquishing a lot of be. villains. I think it would have to be from. Maybe a totally separate other canon. Wow. What if? This is, this is going to end up just being the same conversation. We've had the multiverse of madness conversation constantly about the reared inverse. It's going to happen at some point. We know this. We don't know when. It's probably useless for us to speculate further about it. Hear me out. It's a standalone book. It's not that long. It's not like Sun in the Star le- level length. And it falls in between canon events. So there's not going to be like something wild that happens. So what if one of the gods just misplaced it? You know, like I think that's the most likely scenario that it's going to be it's totally self-contained. Yeah, it's not in Percy's backpack, but it's in like Zeus's backpack, and I would love that. Yeah, I think that would be fine. But also, yeah, the other piece of this is that there's of course three quests, right? There's three different gods that we're trying to get rec letters for. I'm assuming that sounds like what the structure is going to be. Is that too big of an assumption? I actually don't know. It's weird because they're only teasing one lost item and one thing, and it's obviously called the Chalice of the Gods, hmm. but. I think they say that he needs multiple rec letters, right? So he's going to need to do things for multiple gods. It's a little confusing, yeah, because people are like, oh my god, is this the first of three books? I think it's just that it's called the Chalice of the Gods, but like he is going to do all three quests. I'm sure they'll find a way to thread the quests together and that like multiple gods' problems will be connected to potentially immortality being loosed upon humanity. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and maybe it'll offer, like, I would love to see Percy having some reflections on his own um, turning down of immortality and thinking, mm. like, this is the reason why immortality should not be thrust upon people without them, like, being truly given a, an opportunity to contemplate the responsibility that it holds Real and also throwback. the losses that you experience Real throwback. by becoming yeah. immortal. Yeah. And Ganymede is an especially interesting character for getting into this. Tell us about it, Carter, because so, I only know about Ganymede from the play As You Like It. What? Really? <laughs> no, but we also had that whole episode... Wow, this is going to be a we deep did. cut for true-ass listeners of Seaweed. Shout out to those of you who have either consumed the back catalog and been going in a different order. Like, this is an episode we recorded in 2020 from our homes. Shout <laughs> out to people who actually listen to our special episodes. And the special episodes, because we know there's fewer of you. Shout out to you. Um, I see numbers. We, I see stats. <laughs> Erica is something of a woman in STEM herself. Um, it's yeah. true. <laughs> Spotify for podcasters. Here's where we can place the ad right now. And we're back. Wow, look at us sewing things in. Seamless transitions. Anyway, the special episode was about queerness in mythology. We chose largely because there was a pre-existing book chapter from a lovely book to focus more on forms of trans and non-binary identity in mythology. Um, that book, if you haven't read it or listened to the episode, is on that book is Antigone Rising by Helen Morales. Yes. Cool book. Good read. Would recommend. Would recommend you also listen to that old special episode. It's very fun. And it, isn't Tawny the guest on it? Am Tawny was the guest, yes. Tawny was the guest. 
So, like, as a part of that episode, we mentioned Ganymede because um, Ganymede is an example of the way that um, if you were to map modern-day LGBT identities back into the Greco-Roman canon, probably one of the top-of-mind things you would think of before Madeline Miller would have been um, Ganymede because that's, like, a classic example of how, like, what modern-day we would think of as a queer relationship existed very much out in the open, indisputably, in the canon. Ganymede was Zeus's cupbearer, um, originally was a mortal, and Zeus was just very into Ganymede, who we are to assume was, like, a minor, like, a boy child at the time, and, like, collected him up to Olympus, gave him immortality, and made Ganymede his cupbearer forever, the person who will, you know, like, fill everyone's goblets full of nectar and such. The word for this, which we did also, I believe, have a short conversation about in that original special episode, is pederasty, and was a very common practice in ancient Greece, wherein wealthy, older men who own property and have status would simultaneously have relationships with young boys. And that would be, like, not thought of as being a replacement for or even in the same category as the relationships that these, like, wealthy property-owning old men would have with wives. Like, they would have wives, they would have kids, they would have all of that, but on top of all of those things... And on top of, I think in most cases, also relationships with, like, younger women and women who were not, um, you know, like, their wives or, like, people who were having their, like, bearing their heirs, if you will. Um, there would also be these relationships with young boys. Um, all of which is to say that Ganymede, like, fascinating character, someone who is, I think, very difficult to have thoughtful, full, nuanced conversations about in the modern day because people are simultaneously wrong when they say things like um, there is no queerness in historical canons, that this is an invention of the modern West. Very untrue. We know that from many other cultures as well um, and many other cultures that presently have ideas about queerness and views about queerness and queer identities that do not exist in the quote-unquote modern West. But is it also true that like, how would I say that? Simultaneously, you would not probably want to say that the modes of queer, quote-unquote queerness, because of course they would have used different languages and had totally different concepts for these things. Like, it wouldn't have been an identity back then. Like, the idea that, like, Zeus and Ganymede's relationship made either one of them queer is not something that would have been legible to them because it would not have struck them as, like, a separate identity category. Do you know what I mean? Or, like, a separate way of organizing their lives from that which was normal. And also... I think we would all say with a modern understanding that the type of relationship that we're striving is very not aspirational. And in fact, bad. Unambiguously bad. Old people should not be dating children. That's bad. Is there anything else we want to say about Ganymede? No, that was a really... I thought that you were just going to be like, okay, and if you didn't listen to our uh, special episode, you should go back and listen to it. But instead, you just fed everybody the bullet points. Yes. It's true. <laughs> that was very generous of you. Talk about how to draw the line between wrath and mercy. You really erred on the side of mercy there. Call me Kanon. Mercy Jackson yielding. Maybe we'll meet Kanon in this uh in Whoa! This book. Real multiverse of madness. She took it because she said there is there is reconciliation that must come with mercy. Yeah. Let me let me take Zeus to school. That's not what's gonna happen. But Nemesis would be besties <laughs> with her. Opposite size of the same coin. Yeah, I think that would be unfair. Yeah. I would read that. I would read that fanfic. Oh my god, should we write it? Should we write it? Oh my Ooh. god. Because, uh, since you can't write the book about um the <laughs> the little fox. <laughs> the little fox, the, the shrine box. We did we talk Nutty. about that? <laughs> I don't even remember now how that came up, but like making the joke about like the girl. You fully had the full book pitched to us. You gave us like an amazing five-minute pitch, tweeted about it, and then within like 
within the hour, several people were like, the book is, it already exists. There, and, and it exists in several places. Like several people have written the book about like the young, like Japanese American girl who's has, has a sidekick of a little fox, shrine fox, who is actually like the spirit of her dead uncle. And she has to reconcile with her overbearing mom. Yeah, the books are out. The books are out. Shout out to them. Shout out to them. I'm sure lovely books. Um, okay, is it is it time? Wow. Oh wait, before we read off the table of contents, um, we should we should bring our personal contexts and histories briefly into into the conversation of um, college rec letter getting. By which I just mean that Carter and I had the same <laughs> rec college rec letters, and that's really this the whole is story. honestly this is like one of the most iconic. <laughs> this should be the thing that we say when we have to explain the backstory of this podcast that we had the same college rec letters. We had the same college rec letter writers. Yes. Sorry, we didn't have the literal. We didn't did get like, we didn't share a letter and about like, the change our us. names. <laughs> Erica is an incredible woman in STEM. Um, <laughs> no, we had the same college letter rec writers. And maybe this is not, for context about like the high school we went to, that was like not common. I'm quite sure that we are the only people who graduated in our class year who would have had this combination of people. Yeah, Do we disagree identical. with this? No, I feel like that's probably right. Just because it was the whole thing, like, I'm sure other people um, have had similar experiences or maybe you're going, maybe you're a senior in high school and this is what you're experiencing now. But like, it was a big deal figuring out who was going to write your college rec letters because you yeah. wanted to choose the person who knew you really, really well. Um, and also who would like somehow, like, I remember being like, well, who has the vibe, which teacher here has the vibe that most matches with like my dream school. It was that it was feeling to find someone who really liked you and thought that yeah. like, saw something in you that was not the same as what they saw in everybody else. Um, wow. I miss the validation I used to get from our teachers in high school. Those were the easy days. Now I have to validate myself. Jesus. Wow. Yeah. It is hard. Yeah. No, it's like, Carter, you are literally still in school. You literally have men academic mentors. I don't want to hear do. it from you. I, I really hope she never listens to this, but shout out to her. My current academic mentor is very slayful. My previous academic mentor, shout out to him, also very slayful. He rocked. He is the proud parent of Rick Reardon consuming children. Mm-hmm. And we did have several conversations about the books. Um, We've talked wow. about him. Yeah. We've talked about him. Yeah. Shout out to him. I think um, we should but- name and shout out the people who wrote our college rec letters. Um, yes. Cheryl Dare, who's been named before on this podcast. Um, yeah. Love of Our Lives, hero, famously never finished her MFA at Columbia, right? I think that's true. Um, I think probably, like, the backstory with Cheryl Dare is that, A, she, like, taught this class that had, like, every single form of, like, um, it was called Ideas in Western Literature. And although we are perhaps now people who... Um, have complicated feelings about the Western canon. And Cheryl Dare herself, obviously, is a person who has complicated feelings about the Western canon and would tell you a lot of things about non-Western canons. That class was truly life-changing. Literally, she was so iconic. There was a week of the class where every day we were reading a different genre of... Do you remember this? The Freedom Series? Where, like, we would read a psychology journal article one day, and then the next day we would read a journal article about, like, problems with logical fallacies and math, and then the next day we read The Cave by Plato, and then the next day... I remember reading that article about memes that week. Yes. The Richard, Do- was it Richard Dawkins? Am I getting this wrong? The like the meme article about like the idea of like, I- the idea of ideas undergoing natural selection. Very powerful. And this was like a literature class. It was unheard of. We did it's all a junior things. year of high school. Yes. Junior year of high school. And then we also read, you know, like Camus and like Hamlet and all those. Oh, we were pretentious. Excellent. 
we were, we were pretentious very pretentious long before we met Cheryl Bear. But she made it so much worse. <laughs> I think she simultaneously made it worse, but then also like gave us useful, tangible things. Like that was very 100%. much like a, oh, like you rewrite the way that you conceive of yourself type of. Oh my class. god! Literally, then, I mean, I, that was yeah. the first time I remember like really critically thinking about the way that I was brought up, like in a religious space, and being like, well, what do I actually believe? Like at like sixteen years old, yeah. being like, how do I like what do I think about these things that I've been fed? Because like I haven't really thought about them. Um, yeah, and like trying to kind of decide, like, well, at this point in my life, at this exact age, how do I want to go about my own like system of morals and like the way I interact yeah. with people? And that was such a valuable thing to give. A bunch of children. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. And then we went on to, in our senior year, this would have been after the rec letters were done. This is just telling you that this was like a real serious relationship. <laughs> yeah. um, a bunch of our high school friends, like it would have been like five of us who sat every, like once a week for like three consecutive hours in a classroom together with this teacher and like designed our own curriculum. And just every week would talk about a different book and like draw big, messy whiteboard diagrams about like... Um, like a grand theory of like ethics and authenticity every day. Wow. That was such a time to be alive. We should there, keep like, doing it. Everyone should do that. We all should the keep time. doing that. Everyone should do that. Find an excuse to be in like a book club with people who you respect. But Find also, an excuse to be constantly evaluating like what you think your grand system of ethics is like every day. <laughs> yeah. You because it will be changing. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah, that Cheryl's was a very great. iconic experience. Our other rec letter writer that we had in common was um, Alex Pear, Alexander oh. Pear, um, also an icon. <laughs> Truly, like I don't know where to begin talking about Alex Pear. She, um, I would begin by saying I. The, the, let's be clear that the whole woman in STEM thing is a big fat joke because science has always been my worst subject, mostly <laughs> because I hated standing up. I was so tired in high school because I would be at rehearsals oh, and then I would go yeah. home and I would do my homework and I wouldn't like, I slept like four hours a night because I was over caffeinated. Um, cause no one mm. was paying attention to how much coffee I was drinking. And then I would be like, Oh, now it's the school day. This is the time where I get to sit. And then it would be like, okay, we're doing a lab <laughs> in science. I would be like, you're telling me I have to stand. And it was, <laughs> I was so upset about it. And I just didn't like science class. I love science. You know, I believe in science. Um, <laughs> love Animal Planet. Uh, love uh, the Discovery Channel. Um, shout out to space. I'm reading An Immense World right now. It's so good by Ed Yong. Highly recommend. Not oh, the first person love to recommend Ed that Yong. book. Oh, we love him. And he narrates the audiobook. Anyway, um, you, I don't know if you guys remember, or if you're currently in high school, maybe this is your life. Like you had to get like a lot of colleges, you needed like a rec letter from someone who was like a humanities era teacher area teacher and then also like mm -hmm. a like a math science person um or that's what you should have done if like you wanted to like seem well-rounded or something i don't really remember our school basically said unless you were one of like five people like do that have one of yeah. yeah and i was like well crackers who is going to write my math or science rec letter <laughs> because that's obviously not like i didn't have really close relationships with those teachers and yet and yet there was alexandra pear I have such a strong memory. Like, I walked into Pear's class on the first day of, like, the first day of high school. It was first year bio honors. And she, from the get-go, I was like, this person is the most slayful person I've ever met. Hair, impeccable, like, crisp pantsuit. Literally, whenever I try to wear formal clothing every day of my life, which I do now, it is just because I'm trying to emulate Pear. And I'm obviously failing because that is an impossible standard for anyone to meet. Mm -hmm. But I'm constantly thinking about it. Mm -hmm. You know, icon of... 
of the gigantic shades on your forehead all the time of having like curly hair that is nice and orderly and beautiful and, and wearing of, like, like a long sleeve collared shirt even though it's 85 degrees outside collared shirt um smart as how very very young but still like super young gave you immense immaculate professional she was probably like crisp explanations she, she was like our we age. met her when she was 24 yeah wow we oh whoa my oh god oh that broke me a little bit my wow god i'm not even 24 anymore i'm like older than alex pear was when we oh met her That's i might wild. cry right now Oh my God. Wow. Wait, pour one out in the chat for us because we're the same age Alexandra Pear was. I'm the, and yet we're older. never going to do that. <laughs> and yet no one's asking us to write their college rec letters. That was not an invitation for any of the listeners of this podcast. To ask <laughs> <us to> write. <laughs> I, I feel like you should get from this conversation that you should know your college rec letter writers very well. I worked for Alex Pear. I need to stop. It's weird still for me to say her full name. Like, genuinely, it freaks me out. But, like, I worked for her for, like, three years afterwards. I was her, like, TA and, like, helped her, like, great homework and, like, set up labs and everything. She was so, she was so cool. I think about, yeah, truly an icon for the ages. We went to trip to DC together once. <laughs> yeah. Carter was Paris TA in high school. And I took food chemistry Second semester of senior year instead of AP physics, which was a class that Pear taught. <laughs> and she we bonded. wrote her own electronic textbook for this class. An icon, an icon. I would love to find out what she wrote. Like Erica, you know, is not too good at chemistry, but, but boy, <laughs> is she funny. There uh, is no way. She wrote you. I, she must have wrote you a glowing rec letter because if she did it, it things would have turned out different. <laughs> yeah, we went to good colleges fair i think i actually have a copy of the rec letter somewhere because at one point i was like can you send it like i need it for this other thing i'm applying for and she's just like i'll just email it to you <laughs> god i love her oh anyway literally wow. shout out to what a fun tour. and alexander Perry. shout out to the two of Their them do in fact rhyme have yes have, have we thought about in your life podcast? seek yes. mentorship always cite your sources propose independent studies with your teachers Propose independent studies with your teachers. If you feel, you know, that you have that kind Spend of relationship. Spend as much time with possible who, with people who you think are really smart and interesting. And yeah. cool and, like, normal. And cool. You know, make sure they're normal. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. Have boundaries, but also, do make like, sure, do, learn do a lot make of sure you have them. boundaries. Yeah. Yes. But learn, yeah. <laughs> um, especially if they never technically graduated with their MFA from Columbia because they refused to turn in their dissertation because they were like, the system is a lie. <laughs> I love her so much. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, and now. All right, is it chapter names time? Let's do it. Comment if you have comments on them, but if not, we'll just we'll just read through them. Okay, so this was posted by Rick. Um, here's where you can stop listening if you don't want to hear the chapter titles. Number one, I get flushed. It's also a little bit hard to read these. Yeah, it's blurry. I get flushed, which seems like an indirect reference to the Lightning Thief chapter six, which is I become supreme lord of the bathroom. Right. Yes, I think that is the reference. I do that. That like the cadence of it sounds very familiar to me. Like, is that not a pre-existing chapter? I don't think so. I guess it must not be. I think it reminds me of um, um, uh, flush hoot, hoot. Who wrote hoot? Hoot. Paul Fleischman. I want to say no, 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 no. Carl Hyacin. Who am I thinking of? Are you thinking of like lunch money? Wow, not us. Not Paul Fleischman knowing is really gay. Lunch money author. <laughs> uh, Andrew Clements. 
Oh, famous Andrew Clemens, the one who had like 30 million books and they all had like the drawing of a white child holding an object in their hand and the okay, object is in the foreground. Okay, that's enough of that. <laughs> um, chapter two, my dad helps out, asterisk, parenthesis, asterisk, no actual helping occurs, close parenthesis. Love it. Iconic, um, iconic name. Parents be parenting or not parenting. Uh, chapter three, we complain about quests and decorative gourds i want to say yeah we know about decorative gourds it's giving fall it's giving it's giving october right yeah love it um chapter four i take a himbo for smoothies i love finding out when rick learns new words i know i like look forward to it (laughs) i kind of feel like he's learning them from becky because rick is like not oh because becky's so online now yeah becky we love you (laughs) you are mothering all over twitter my favorite K-pop idol recently had an interview where she was like, oh my god, I just learned the word mother in English. Why do people call me that? That's a bit weird. But I love my fans. My favorite and tweet recently. I feel like recently. that is the energy <laughs> I'm imagining happening here as well. Wait, I sent you this, right? My favorite tweet recently was like, she ordered a Trenta Espresso serve from Motherbucks. And it was retweeted with, gay people can't ever say they like something. Yes. Becky. That phrase is now the most iconic phrase of Twitter is, quote, gay people can't ever just say they like something. <laughs> also, she and it's ordered true. a Trenta Espresso serve from Motherbox. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you did. <laughs> because it's funny because you can't order a Trenta Espresso anyway. Um, <laughs> coffee works. Wow, everybody <laughs> like, knows coffee now. That is, I switched careers. Um, <laughs> chapter five. Everybody hates Ganymede because he's so pretty. I'm not going to say it, but you can say it <laughs> at home. Oh, am I supposed to say a slur? What? No. No? Okay. Never mind. We would never. <laughs> Chapter six. Because licorice. I've never had licorice. Like actual licorice. That's not like a red vine, you know? My old boss brought some back from Iceland. Because it's a thing that you bring back from Iceland. I could not finish it. It was incredibly difficult to eat. But um, I had a cultural experience. And wow. I want to go to Iceland so bad. Oh my God. You're in the right place to do it. I like will never go to Iceland now because I don't live on the East Coast anymore. And that's just not (sighs) on the cards for me. But what if we went hiking around Iceland? You know what? If we can align, if we can align a week long period, I would still do it. Because we're not hiking around Iceland for longer than a week. Yeah. We have things to do. (laughs) We have things to do. Yeah. I just want to see the lights um, and like the fjords, you know? The fjords. Um, Chapter seven. Big shocker. I offend a goddess. Love it. We are in Percy Jackson territory so hard. By the way, did we mention this book is in Percy's narration? Like, first person? (sighs) I actually think that that's going to, like, affect me mentally on the level that, like, a trailer would. Yeah. Like, like, if not more so. It's going to cure my ailments, clear my skin. Oh, literally, I will not have acne anymore. (laughs) <laughs> I also won't sweat anymore. It'll be like it'll be like I'm getting those like Botox shots in my armpits. <laughs> Is that really personal? That's his narrative voice. A Botox shot in your armpit. <laughs> Literally, it's like forget she was a shot of espresso. Andrew Garfield, like she was a shot of Botox in my armpit pores. <laughs> this episode's getting weird. Um, chapter eight. I want my mommy. Love it. I can't wait. I hope he gets turned into like a baby or something. <laughs> oh you know like the past like yeah, the end the of um sky high um oh yeah reference yes correct. chapter nine the chickens draw blood draw first blood 
Chapter 10, my singing makes things worse and everyone is totally shocked. I forgot about the whole canon Percy can't sing thing. Yeah, I try to forget, but it's okay. Nobody's perfect. He rips to um, Skater Boy. When when him and Annabeth duet Skater Boy, they do rip. Yeah. Okay, chapter 11, we win zero prize tickets. Okay, like a little Lotus Hotel and Casino throwback. Maybe we're going to be at like a carnival. Yeah. Chapter 12, Ganymede gets me a refill. Okay. He's going to be very present in this book. Love to see it. Maybe Mark taught Rick really how to how to write a how, how to write, write a homosexual. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be a lot of italics. Mother will be capitalized as a proper noun. Do you think the rest of it will be in lowercase? No, Ganymede's not that kind of guy. Um. <laughs> Chapter 13, we look for dead stuff at the farmer's market. Now, that's giving fall to me too, you know? Fall is when you gather your rec letters. Yeah, and it's when you go to the farmer's market and you buy apples and, and dried flowers. And gourds, yeah. And, and decorative gourds. 14, Iris gives me a stick. Wow, I love Iris. Queen. With the co-op. This makes sense, because Iris is... Like, Iris's job description is, like, Hera's version of both Hermes and Ganymede simultaneously, I believe. Is there not some sort of mythological account of Iris also having to perform similar kind of, like, attendant duties You are Hera? asking the wrong person. You're asking that rhetorical question to a wrong person. Um, Handmaiden and personal messenger of Hera. Oh, so she's like, yeah, she's like Hera's I'm going to go with it. Ganymede in a way. Sure. Um, <laughs> chapter 15. Yonkers! Which is, of course, a real place in New York. Um, <laughs> I could see us going. It's a place you pass on several, uh, like, Metro North lines, you know? So, <laughs> could be on a train. Classic PJO style. 16, Grover busts out the snake songs. Okay, Grover's going to be singing again. Got some reed pipes. Do you think that's like a... Do you think we're going to call Piper on the phone? Am I misremembering that she, like... Oh, yeah, she had thing, the... the snake songs? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a good point. I love it. Um, if Piper doesn't show up, I'm going to be literally devastated. Chapter 17, <laughs> I meet the man bun of doom. Ah, yes. Because if we'll never, if we will remember the man satchel from yes. uh, the first time we met Iris, <sighs> <sighs> there's of course now the man bun. You can just have a bun. You can just have a bun. If hair that is on top said, of a head, it is called a bun. said, sometimes I have a man bun, you know? <sighs> That's the thing is like, I do like, I'm not going to say that there's no usefulness for the phrase man bun, but I think a lot of times people misuse it. And what they are saying yeah. is just a bun. Yeah. Some things are bun. Some things are man bun parenthesis derogatory. Some things are man yeah. bun parenthesis slay. Yeah. I just came from a climbing gym in Brooklyn. So I Did would say that bun there? tonight I saw quite a few man bun parenthesis derogatories while myself yeah. sporting a man bun parenthesis slay. Yeah. I believe that. Thank you. <laughs> I always think of Haku from um, that <gasps> one episode of um, Atla uh, when I do Wait, like a like a not Haku, Haku like from Spirited Away. No, Wait, I think that was his name too. Wait, wait, wait. Was let's an figure Atla it out. Character named Haku. Maybe it was a different H name. Wait, Haru. Oh, yeah, he has a really slayful bun, and he's got like the bangs in front of. He's got like the curtain bangs oh. coming out in front oh, of his yeah. headband. If you have curtain bangs with your bun, it's not a man bun. Precision of language. A lot of things are not... Pe people use the word man bun too broadly. Okay, moving on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, 18, Annabeth conquers all with herbal tea. Yeah, that sounds right to me. 
Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to get back on our like figuring out, you know, like the coffee drinking. Remember how we were thinking about like yeah. their progression with caffeine as like a symbol of their coming of age. We need to get back to that. Uh, 19, I taste the rainbow and it's pretty nasty. So what I'm getting from the progression of these chapters is that we are doing three discrete sections, probably. Yeah, because Iris is the second section. Because now we're just getting Iris and everything is about rainbows, Iris, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. Iris takes Venmo is chapter 20. So that's got to be the second quest. Um, Chapter 21, I offer relationship advice. No, seriously, why are you laughing? I'm not laughing. Who's laughing? It's not me. Not us. What? I'm listening. I'm seated. I'm listening. Seated. Notability's open. He's just so humble. (laughs) Chapter 22, I get a cupcake and a surprise. A cupcake. His birthday's in August. But maybe it's someone else's birthday. This has to be post-August, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's fun. You can just get a cupcake for for being alive. Who's a Virgo? Wait, what season is next? What's what's October? Libra? It's Libras. Yeah. I think. I wonder who's a Libra. Hmm. Hmm. Someone knows the answer to that. Let us know. <laughs> Let's see. 23. Ganymede explodes all the beverages. Okay. Maybe so we're back. like. We are integrating. Or maybe he's like, maybe we like find his chalice and then he comes with us to help out Iris. Perhaps. Perhaps. Hmm. Is it evident that we didn't think about this until right now, everybody? These are not like serious <laughs> predictions. These are like silly, goofy <laughs> predictions. Um, these aren't like our very well thought out Sun in the Star predictions. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, chapter 24. I brush my teeth, parenthesis, in the most heroic way possible, close parenthesis. That's like a lightning thief title right there. Oh. 25. I meet the goblet gang- ganker? I don't know what else I could possibly say. We'll get there. We'll find out. Um, maybe that's a word and neither of us know it. <laughs> chapter 26. It is apparently a gaming term. We would oh, not no. know. Oops. Not us both. Not <laughs> It is really like a serious like lack of coverage in the pop culture landscape that both of us, like neither of us provide knowledge of gaming. I'm like deep into Pokemon. That's true. I'm like up to date in fact, but literally nothing else. Oops. Sorry to people who like use things like Twitch and discord. Well, the thing I'm on Twitch and discord, but not for video games for, uh, but for other things. (laughs) 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 Um, uh, 26. I negotiate the terms of my disintegration. Also so classic. That really hits. (laughs) We're going to talk our way out of some things. Oh, yeah. Many a time. 27. My dying words are super embarrassing. (laughs) Wait. Was this the plot of Abundance of Catherine's? (laughs) Finish the thought. Isn't she like really into people's dying words? No, that's looking for Alaska. Come on. You got it. The Manic Pixie Dream Girl, Alaska, was into people's dying words. Yeah. Oh, my God. This title is giving me Olivia Rodrigo. And I think one thing Ugh. that is delightful about the literary present is that um, Percy Jackson is simultaneously a teenager who is listening to Avril Lavigne as a part of his contemporary coming of age and also one who's living to listen, listening to Olivia Rodrigo as a part of his contemporary coming of age. For the people is- who aren't members of our Patreon and didn't get to hear our episode on Guts... Who came first, Percy Jackson or Olivia Rodrigo? The chicken or the egg? Olivia Rodrigo read Percy Jackson. She wrote songs about Percy Jackson. Percy Jackson is now listening to Olivia Rodrigo, 100%. 28, it starts raining toys. Sure. 
It's raining men. 29, <laughs> I, I teeter on the precipice of Mount Brunch. Is it time for us to get word. the girl brunch? I don't think it's... I would love the girl brunch. I, I cannot tell what that says, but I don't... Wow. I just got new contacts. I can't tell what that says. Um, imagine Percy walking in on Piper and Annabeth and Hazel and Raina and Sally all having brunch. And Percy's like, mom? <laughs> 30. I infiltrate the layer of lightning god? And it's italicized. Wait, what if it's meta? Is it multiverse of madness? Is it meta? What is... Well, sounds like it's the multiverse. <laughs> Because, like, um, it's not Zeus. If it were Zeus, they would say Zeus, right? Like, what? Hmm. Oh, I'm excited. Maybe it's, like, Estelle playing a game or something. You know? It's, like, a kid who's heard of Percy's stories. I don't know. I'm excited. That's going to be an interesting chapter. Oh, it says Lightning God 3000. Oh. That sounds like a video game. Or, some, or like, a, a machine. The Lightning God 3000 in Nator. <laughs> 31. I face a dangerous oh. predator who is possibly my future mother-in-law. What? Athena? His future mother-in-law is Athena. Is she in disguise? What? Hmm. Maybe someone cursed her? Maybe they think it's Athena, but they can't tell? Hmm. Because if I was Percy, I would want a rec letter from Athena. Well, yeah. For school? Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. I can't imagine she would write him a very good one, though. No, no. It would be very passable. <laughs> and she'd be like, I'm only doing this because my daughter wants me to. And she must see something in you. 32. Grover eats my leftovers. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. I bet he does. Yes, he does. Chapter 33. One more Jolly Rancher for old time's sake. I love that. That's a 10 out of 10. That really works for me. Um, 34. I write the worst letter ever. Delete, delete. <laughs> Is he writing a thank you letter for his rec letters? Because that is, that's real. That's yeah. a real part of high school. Maybe he's writing somebody else's rec letter. Aww. This was another thing that our high school um, had us do, is that we, we did counselor recs. And in order for them to write your counselor rec, they ask you to name two of your peers who are going to fill out a long questionnaire with nice things about you and then the guidance counselor will draw from that to write the counselor rack. Wow, I forgot about that. That's really funny, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and chapter 35. Pretty much the best goodnight kiss ever. Do you think that's what it says? My first thought, honestly, was Persebeth. But that makes no sense. <laughs> Persebeth, the best goodnight kiss ever. No, I'm. it's got to be pretty much the best goodnight kiss ever because of pretty because much the best the underwater syntax, kiss yeah. of all time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Persebeth never went anywhere, but Persebeth is back. Remember Aww. the thesis of this podcast? I do remember the thesis of this podcast. And then there's bonus material, which feels like... Maybe some RRP chapters. Maybe, you know, Rick did say he has multiple outlines. Maybe it's a sneak preview of the next little, like, one-off Maybe story. it is the Reared Inverse of Madness. <laughs> Maybe it's a diagram <laughs> showing how everybody in the Reared Inverse of Madness knows each other um, and what side they're on against the great fight against climate change and or Jesus. Um, wow. Okay, I'm looking forward to it. Um, as usual, I intended for this episode to be 20 minutes, and it's now been nearly an hour. Thank you for joining us here, if you listen to this, <laughs> in a celebration of getting hyped about PJO6. 
bummer news is that neither of us are going to be able to attend a book tour stop um, due to geographic location and work and all of those things. Um, but I believe we're planning on doing a joint episode. Very generously, Aaron um, from Camp Half Pod has offered to recap their experience of the book tour. And I think we'll do like a little joint episode. So stay tuned for that. Oh my gosh. Send us your guys' predictions, your favorite chapter titles. Carter. Carter. I genuinely cannot believe that this is happening. Like. Did Stitch just fall from the sky onto you? Oh my God. Is that our blow up from graduation? (laughs) Oh my God. Is that our blow up toy from graduation? It is our blow up toy from graduation. Why do you have it with you in California? Um, I think it's a fun room decoration. Sentimentality. Wow. Speaking of <laughs> senior year of high school, that was yeah. meant to be. <laughs> okay. We will see y'all when the Chalice of the Gods is out. I'm so freaking excited. <gasps> Good night, everybody. Bye, y'all. Bye. <laughs>